The reading is Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 8, and can be found on page 1101 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And then, continuing from verse 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Steph, thank you for reading that passage. Uh, We're going to take a few minutes to look at it now, so why don't we pray um, as we come to it. How marvellous, how wonderful is my Saviour's love for me. Lord, we pray that that would be true for us, that we'd be seeing that uh, as we look at Acts 8 tonight. Amen. Well, one of the things uh, I love is I love hearing people's testimonies. You know, the stories of, uh, of how someone came to hear of the Lord Jesus, uh, respond in faith, um, and receive the joy of the gospel. Let me give you a couple of examples. 
Uh, take Augustine. Now, if you've not heard of Augustine, he was one of the, the earliest uh, and most influential theologians uh, of the early church. Um, and in the year 386, Augustine was sitting outside when he heard a child singing. Now, the words of the song translate something like this. I'm not going to attempt to sing it, so don't worry. Pick it up and read. Pick it up and read. Now, at first, Augustine sat there and thought, oh, that child's playing a nice game. Then he sat there and thought, I can't think of any games that include those words. So he listened again. Pick it up and read. Pick it up and read. Now, up to that point, Augustine had been following various kind of philosophers. Uh, He had been living a life of, shall we say, loose living. Um, But on hearing this voice, there was something inside him that made him wonder, is this something from God? Pick it up and read. Pick it up and read. So he picked up the book next to him, a Bible. He opened it, Romans 13. And he read these words. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. As he read those words, suddenly Augustine felt like light flooded into his heart. He immediately gave up his uh, life of sin and turned to follow the Lord Jesus. He's one of the greatest ever theologians of the church, converted by a chance encounter with a little child singing a song. Or what about uh, another one? Uh, Ni Yong Fa. Someone will come and tell me afterwards that I pronounced that wrong. I'll apologize in advance. Um, but that's how I'm going, going with it. Now, you've probably heard it and never heard of this guy. Um, but I love his reaction uh, when he got converted. See, Ni was converted by Hudson Taylor. Um, if you've not heard of Hudson Taylor, he was one of the first missionaries uh, to inland China. He formed something called the China Inland Mission, imaginative name. Um, this is one of their maps. Um, uh, I couldn't find a picture of Ni Yong Fa, so uh, you got a map instead. Now, for various reasons, Hudson Taylor, he'd been working in Shanghai, um, but he'd been forced out of that city, uh, and he's gone slightly south to a, a place called Ningpo. Now, it is on that map, don't expect you to see it, but if you know where Shanghai is, look a little bit south, and it's about, it's about there. Now, this guy, Ni Yongfo, was a, a cotton trader from the town, and he was also a leader of this kind of reformed uh, Buddhist sect. Uh, and one day, he found himself listening to Hudson Taylor preach. And as he heard the gospel, he was amazingly and suddenly converted. And this is what he said. I have long searched for the truth, as my father did before me, I have traveled far, but haven't found it. I found no rest in Confucianism, Buddhism, or Taoism. But I find rest in what I've heard tonight. From now on, I believe in Jesus. Apparently, a bit later in the evening, he then went to Hudson Taylor uh, and said, how long has the gospel been known in England? 
to which Hudson Taylor had to say, well, it's, it's been many hundred years. Knees exclaimed, what? And you've only now come to preach it to us? My father sought after the truth for more than 20 years and died without finding it. Why didn't you come sooner? There is a man who gets the joy of the gospel. From someone who just got scattered from where he didn't plan to be. Hudson Taylor, who was led to a man who was searching for truth. The right man in the right place at the right time for someone to receive Christ. They're great stories, aren't they? I'm sure uh, if we went round uh, tonight, and if you are a Christian, if you're not, you are, are very welcome, to, and we love having you here to think these things through. But if we went round and heard everyone's different stories about how they, they came to faith, we would get, I don't know how many people here, but we'd get, you, you know, everyone would have their own story. They're great to listen to. No testimony is boring. In fact, why don't you do this? Uh, there's food served afterwards uh, in the rooms uh, out the back. Please do stay and join us. Uh, and while you're eating, why not ask each other uh, about how, you, how they came, someone came to Christ? And try and find out from how one person that you don't know uh, came to Christ. It's a great way of encouraging people, and it's a great way of getting to know people. These are, these are great things to hear. But in all the... Uh, Stories of how people came to faith, there are two things that are always consistent. One is the person hearing the gospel of Jesus. And the second is how God works various events so that someone is in the right place at the right time so that someone or or, or some people can tell that person the gospel, tell them the good news of Jesus. And that's exactly what happens in Acts 8 tonight. So let me give the game away uh, just as we start. Uh, The main point of Acts 8 is God is in control of the spread of the gospel. That's what we're going to see tonight. And that's, of course, made clear right from the start of Acts where Jesus commissions his disciples. But I think there's a strategic point while Luke, the writer, um, at this point puts this in. Um, In Acts 7, we read the account of how uh, the first Christian martyr, uh, a guy called Stephen, was stoned to death because of his faith. And that causes this great persecution to break out against the church. Look at uh, verse 1, or second half um, of verse 1, just on that heading. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. As we read through Acts, and we're not going to be able to read every bit uh, this term, so do you know, may, be reading it over the term and fill in the gaps. Uh, but if, you, if you're reading it, you kind of get to this point uh, and wonder, uh, is everything going wrong? Is it all about to unravel? But God is not going to let us think that way. He's still in control of the gospel going out, still being proclaimed, uh, and people are still turning him to joy. Uh, And we see that uh, first uh, with Philip as he arrives in Samaria. And we're going to see this flow. Scattering that leads to proclaim the gospel that leads to joy. It's there in verses 4 to 8. So as I said, the persecution uh, breaks out. And all the believers except the uh, apostles are forced out of Jerusalem. 
Uh, and Philip is uh, scattered to this place, Samaria, which is just a, a bit to the north. It's one of the places that Jesus actually mentions in, in Acts 1, verse 8, uh, where he says to his people will go, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so this actually uh, starts a new phase in the book of Acts. We've kind of, uh, the main Jerusalem phase uh, is done, and now we're moving on to the uh, Judea and Samaria phrase uh, of the book. And I think there, in that, is the first clue that it's God that's in control. You see, we knew people would end up in Samaria. But we didn't expect them to end up here, end up there in this way. It's not the way we'd choose for people to be uh, sent to a new place. Because they didn't go willingly. They were forced out of their homes because of persecution. Perhaps literally running out of the city as they saw people from their church being thrown in prison. But look what they do as they're scattered. Verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the words wherever they went. Persecution didn't put them off. They continued to boldly witness to Jesus, proclaiming that gospel uh, wherever, they, wherever they went. And Philip ends up in Samaria, verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And as we read the following verses, we hear that people listen to Philip. It was a new message, and it gripped them. The fact that Philip's message was also backed up by these signs and miracles from God that we read about in verses 6 to 7 probably helps. But for whatever reason, they, they came to listen. They gathered round him. They're, they're, they're intently listening to, to who this Messiah is, the one they would have heard about, but now find out is Jesus. And people believe. And look at the results, verse 8. So there was great joy in that city. Do you see that flow? People are scattered. They proclaim the gospel. And it brings joy. God is in control of the spread of the gospel. I wish I should just pause uh, and just note something at, at this point. God is in control. That doesn't mean that his uh, witnesses sit back and do nothing. Uh, they're uh, there in the middle doing that proclamation. God creates the opportunities uh, of the, the, the places to speak and the people to listen. But there's a responsibility to, for the gospel to be clearly and faithfully proclaimed, and they do that. And that pattern emerges. And it's the same pattern, actually, we see in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. We're, we're taken um, in Acts um, 8 from this kind of big picture of the city, and it, and it zooms down until the end of the chapter ends on this one individual. It's kind of showing that God is working on all the levels, um, whether big or small. And so we see this chance encounter, which leads to proclaiming the gospel, which leads to joy in verses 26 to 40. Now, of course, I call it a chance encounter. It's not a chance encounter. Um, you can, it's very clearly directed by God. Um, but to the outside world, you know, if you, if you read something like this, uh, you would call it a chance encounter, wouldn't you? Um, but look at verse 26 um, with me. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, 
go south to the road, uh, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandike, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So Philip's, uh, he's been in Samaria. He's told to, to go south past uh, Jerusalem uh, and onto the roads that leads to Gaza. Now, whether this is a place that Philip had planned to go to or whether this was uh, somewhere he wanted to go to or whether this was just uh, God sending him there. I um, don't know exactly, but it's certainly where God sent him. And also on this road, as, as Philip's coming along, is this Ethiopian eunuch, someone uh, who in... Uh, those times would have been classed as from the ends of the earth. But he's also someone who is important. He's in charge of all the queen's money. And I'm kind of guessing that's quite a lot. Uh, An African queen uh, in those days. And he's a eunuch. He's someone who's given uh, and devoted himself to that job. But did you spot, he's also someone who worships God's. See, he'd been to Jerusalem to worship, verse 27. Now, as a eunuch, he would not have been allowed in the temple. Uh, That's part of God's law set out in Deuteronomy. Yet he still made this long pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship the God of the Jews. See, here's a man searching for truth, searching for that knowledge of God. I'm sure as he had been in his own countries, he'd traveled around, he'd heard about loads of religions, but he hadn't quite found the one that fulfilled what he was looking for. In the G's, maybe he started to see something different. And so as he sits in his chariot, he's reading a scroll. It's Isaiah from the Old Testament. And, and Philip spots uh, the chariot, uh, and he's prompted to go near it. Uh, and you kind of get the picture of, of Philip sprinting up to this, uh, this chariot, uh, trying to catch it up, uh, gasping for breath, and, and between the gasps of air, kind of hearing what the Ethiopian is reading, uh, and saying, do you understand what you are reading? Philip asks. Maybe that's just what I'm like after a run, I don't know. But the chariot stops. And the Ethiopian looks at Philip, verse 31. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now let's not miss the humility of the Ethiopian at that point. He's an important man with great responsibilities. He's had this random guy run up to him. And he's willing, as one commentator puts it, to acknowledge his ignorance freely and frankly. One of the great things that God has given us is his word to understand who he is. The other thing that God has given us is people to help us understand it. Uh, And Philip is one of those teachers. He's the right man in the right place at the right time. Uh, And not only that, but look at the passage that the Ethiopian is reading. Um, As Sarah said earlier, it's it's Isaiah 53, probably the clearest passage in the Old Testament that points to Jesus and his death and resurrection. Not only is it the right man in the right place at the right time, he's reading the right passage. 
This is no coincidence. It's not chance. Acts 8 shows God is in control. All the factors come together. And so Philip, starting with that, that very passage in Isaiah 53, explains the gospel to this Ethiopian. And just imagine the Ethiopian's excitement as he's sitting there. You no longer bothered by the potholes in the roads, the bumpy ride, the other chariots and, and travellers that may be coming past. He's transfixed on what Philip has to say. And there's no need for a supernatural act. Not this time. Just the words of God expounded to a humble listener. Jesus. Jesus was led like a lamb. He was willing to go to the cross despite all the humiliation that brought. Because of my sin. Because of my transgression. You mean the punishment, you're telling me the punishment that I deserved was put on him. I'm healed and forgiven. That's the truth I've been searching for. And as they continue their journey, and presumably continue chatting, they get to the point where the Ethiopian sees some water. Look at verse 36. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. Not only did the Ethiopian believe, but he undertook that demonstration of his new faith in baptism. Here's a man whose life has changed by the gospel. You can see that by his reaction. Verse 39, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. There's that joy again. Imagine the difference, that uh, important Ethiopian uh, treasury manager would have made in the country he went back to taking the gospel uh, with him. That chance encounter. And the gospel continues to spread. A chance encounter leads to gospel proclamation, which leads to joy. Just as Augustine's chance encounter brought him to the scriptures and to joy. Scattering that leads to gospel proclamation and leads to joy, just as Hudson Taylor's scattering led to gospel proclamation, which led to joy. See, God has always been in control of the spread of the gospel. He uses people, putting them in the right place at the right time, with the right hearers who are ready to hear this news being proclaimed. And if it happened in New Testament times, if it happened in the year 386, if it happened in the 1800s, then surely that's still happening today. Surely God is still in control of the gospel going out. And it is a gospel that's still spreading today. We see that here and and around the world. And he's using us to do it. You've been scattered to Manchester. I I don't know what's brought each of you here. But you have been. God has brought you here at this time, in this place, for a reason. Uh, And maybe 
that's because he's already lined up someone for you to proclaim the gospel to. Just maybe you're the instrument he's going to use to bring that joy to someone's life. Maybe it's through some chance encounter on the bus, in the bar, over the coffee machine at work. Maybe it's you that's in the right place at the right time to proclaim that gospel and bring that joy of the gospel to someone's life. Now, I don't know for sure. Of course not. But one thing I do know is we'll never know unless we do that middle bit. Unless we do that bit in green. And however difficult or uncomfortable it makes us feel, unless we proclaim the gospel, we're not going to know for sure if that joy is coming or not. If you're a Christian here tonight, just stop for a minute and think back over how you came to faith. And as you think about it, I'm sure you can think, and you probably didn't realize this at the time, how God worked various aspects of your life to bring you to that place where someone or, or some people explained that gospel to you and you received the joy of it. As I look back, for me, it was you know, obviously loads of events, but particularly I can think of when I was at the age of seven, uh, my parents... Uh, moved house. We moved to a road, uh, the same street, in fact, um, as a church that was committed to proclaiming that gospel. Uh, my mum faithfully took me that to that church for a number of years. I, I made friends, and I can see how God placed the right friends around me at the right time to encourage me uh, to keep going in the youth group. So when it came to uh, starting confirmation classes, I was happy to join. And as I sat in those classes and someone explained the gospel to me in a way that seemed new and fresh and relevant, I was in the right place at the right time to receive the joy of the gospel. God is in control of the spread of the gospel. And if you're not yet a Christian here tonight, well, maybe God's brought you here. Maybe he's brought you to Manchester. Maybe he's brought you to Platts because this is your time to think through the good news of Jesus. There is great joy for those who receive that message. There's nothing better. See, God is in control of the spread of the gospel. He longs for people to hear about his son. He's got a heart that, that, that reaches out to the lost. And he uses us as his missionaries, as those mouthpieces to the world who desperately needs to hear the good news. He desperately wants that joy. And so if we are his witnesses, those who proclaim his gospel, how is he going to use us in Manchester this year to do just that? Well, let's proclaim the gospel and find out, shall we? Shall we pray? How marvellous, how wonderful is my Saviour's love for me. Lord, we know that is true. There is great joy in the gospel because of what the Lord Jesus has done.
Lord, thank you for the people who proclaimed that to us. Lord, thank you for the, the right place and the right time that you put us in to hear that message. And we pray that you would use us to be your witnesses here in Manchester. Whatever reason you've brought us here, whatever uh, reason you lead us to talk to someone, uh, Lord, we pray that we'd be bold in proclaiming that gospel. And Lord, we pray that you would bring joy to many more lives through it. We ask for Jesus' glory. Amen.